Good morning, everyone. And you're very welcome to our, our service this morning. And it's nice to see the sun shining again. Uh, and anyone that's watching online also is very welcome to join us. And I hope that you feel the presence of God with us this morning and God speaking to us. I have a few announcements just to go through. Uh, let me quickly get through them. First of all, session meeting on Wednesday night. Uh, that's the 15th of June, half past seven. And it's going to be uh, via Zoom. Okay, that's Wednesday night. Next Sunday is Communion Sunday, Communion service. And... Uh, also, I just want to say to the Bible class and the young people, the children, if they would go directly to the SPU for their activities and not come into church, um, there's something special being led on for them next Sunday. Um, also, can I just point out, uh, you, know, you can get these wee cards on your way out. There's a few of them. I've met a man called Frank Beatty. And uh, he started what's known as Memory Lane Church. It's very new. And it's we services that happen once a month for people with dementia. So, and it's, it happens in Hamilton Road Baptist Church the first Sunday of each month between 3 o'clock and 4 o'clock. And it's a wee bit different from an ordinary service. But if you know someone with suffering from dementia and you can bring them to it and bring them back, uh, I think they'll benefit from it. Sounds like a, a, lovely, um, a, a lovely service. Uh, also, just with regards to Sunday Club over the summer, um, can I just, uh, on behalf of, of Michael, can I ask if you, if you would like to volunteer to help cover the summer period with Sunday Club, if you'd be in touch with Michael. Also, uh, Brian Gartland, um, is going to come and speak to you about uh, an all-age August challenge. Morning. <coughs> Folks, I, I would like to mention and uh, promote uh, our upcoming sponsored a walking challenge in the month of August. Uh, it's designed for all age of teams. Um, for example, a family, a group of friends, or even a, a mishmash of up to four people. Uh, there will be prizes and certificates awarded, as well as a bonus prize for uh, someone who takes the incentive and collects the most money. Uh, the proceeds are towards essential church maintenance. Um, if anybody would be interested in uh, captaining uh, a team, uh, we can have up to four people in each team, and uh, the captain's role will just be to liaise with me and let me know the numbers of steps for each day in August. Um, we have an entry fee of £10 per team, to cover administration costs, sponsorships, etc. And anybody that would have any interest in being involved, just contact myself. Uh, there is a sheet in the order of service uh, with all my details, so don't be scared to give me a ring or a chat after church. Um, we can contribute to this great cause either by sponsorships or it can be done online at give.net and just look up the Ballycrock and All Age August Challenge. Uh, if I could mention for those who are not able to participate, you might consider sponsoring a team or a member of a team. Um, as I had said, all, all monies raised will be used for essential maintenance in the church halls. Uh, help us continue spreading God's love to Ballycrock and, and beyond. And if anybody has any questions, just speak to me after church. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. And uh, I'm sure you got a wee flyer in the middle of your order service uh, with some details about that. Um, just want to start the service with reading Psalm 46, verses 1 to 3. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake, 
with their surging. God is with us. In the hard times, God is with us. Okay, so if you're anything like me, by the end of the week and you feel a bit tired and you, your mind's racing and you just need to settle your hearts, that's what we're going to do for a wee moment now as we remain seated and just think through a song that we're going to play, which is God of All My Days, and it'll come up on PowerPoint. But just reflect on who God is and just allow your heart and your adrenaline to, 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 to come down a wee bit and focus on God. Father, you tell us to come and still our hearts before you. Father, you tell us to come and seek you with all our hearts, and we will find you. Father, you know what folk come with, burdened with this morning into this place. Lord, you know what their worries are. You know what their fears are. Father, we pray that you would come and touch them this morning, that you would encourage them, that you would go from seat to seat and heart to heart, and Lord, that they might leave this place this morning knowing that they have met with God. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son. Amen. Let's stand and worship God uh, with, There is a Redeemer. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 to 20, Jesus says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to just hand over to Tom now. He's going to speak to the children and the adults uh, about a topic that's very close to his heart. Well, good morning, everybody. The first thing I want to do is to ask any boys and girls who are in church this morning to come and sit up in the front row because I want them to help me do something. Would you do that? That's great. 
absolutely everybody if we can because really your, your help is going to be very important to me. Come and sit beside everybody else. Right now, I want for the moment you all to become detectives. So I'm going to give you some clues and I want you to try and work out where in the world we're talking about. So let's see how we get on. Now, what I don't want you to do is tell me the name of the place until you've seen all the clues. You can say what the things are that you see, because you're going to see pictures of birds and animals, but let's not spill the beans about where this is until we actually get the end of the quiz. So let's start with the first one. Hopefully it'll work. Back one, and back one again. Now, can you work out what those are? Yeah, they are macaws, absolutely right. So let's try the next one. Any idea what they are? They're sea lions. They're lions from the Southern Hemisphere, and there's a clue. Armadillo, that's absolutely right. Other one. Now, what kind of penguins are they? Do you know? That's a hard one. Anybody? They're humbled penguins. Yes? It looks like a falcon, but it's much bigger. This bird's wingspan is almost the same width as the row of sea turtles. It's a condor, but you're not allowed to speak unless you're still at school. <laughs> so that's it. One shout and you're out. Um, and then another one, if I can get this to go. Good for you, they are alpacas. Some people might think they're llamas, but they're alpacas, and they're all members of the same family. And then the last clue. It is a llama. Now, I've given you all the clues. These animals all live in the same country. You might find that hard to believe. Now, what do you think the country is? Jackson. It is Peru. Now, where in the world is Peru? Now, this is not a very big map, but you might be able to see Peru. Peru is on the west coast, or should I say the left-hand side, and it is blue. Can you see it? Quite a big country on the west. Now, I'm going to talk to you in a minute about a city in Peru, and I'm going to now show you what that city is. You'll probably not see it. That is a map of all of Peru, and the different colors are a bit like counties that we have here, like County Down, County Armagh. The one we're going to talk about is yellow, and it's very near the bottom in the south. It's called Arequipa, and it's the name of the county. It's also the name of the city. Now, let's... Uh, Tell you something else. We leave that for now, and that, that's us finished with the clues. We found the country. Well, I want to tell you about children who live in Arequipa, and um, in that city, there's a children's home that we as a church help to look after. And that is a children's home for children who have no moms or dads, or whose moms and dads are so poor that they can't look after them. And in a minute, I'm going to show you a little video of the children. I got in touch with them about four weeks ago and told them I was going to be talking to you this morning. So they've sent a video, which is a way of saying hello to you, and which is also a way of saying thank you to everybody in our congregation who has helped to raise money to help children who are very ill 
who live in that children's home. And um, just think about this video when you're looking at it. These children live 6,228 miles from Bangor. So that's how far away they are. So let's look at the video. <laughs> that's uh, quite a long thank you but I hope you appreciate it it's a long greeting and you'll have seen the name of the children's home Casa Hogarth El Amor de Dios which is the house and home of God and that's a home that was set up by a man and a woman called Jose and Gloria and we can talk about them some other time but um, I said earlier on that we sent money to uh, both Gloria and Jose, not to look after all the children. Never ever. That's the same children going around past the camera over and over again. But it wasn't actually. They were all individual children. But there are some children who are really very, very sick. And um, what we decided as a congregation, as, as a church some years ago, or to send them some money to build a room, especially for the children. These were children, you know how and when they go home. Gloria and Jose, we should have So the money we sent built the room. Then they said, but of course we can't go after the children. 
if we don't have first. So we then send more money each year for several years to help pay. We don't pay fully for the nurse, but to help pay for the nurse. It's just a coincidence that nurses go to Evelyn. Anyway, um, that, that help that we send is very, very important. And what I want to do is show you another set of pictures which really look at the children have been cared for. Some of these children are better, some of them. I'll just let you understand. Thank you. Sorry, I kept that down. <laughs> so I will repeat what I've said. You'll see pictures of children who've got better and children who didn't. Se quedó conmigo en el fracaso, en mi oscuridad y mis momentos bajos. Y a pesar de conocerme tal cual soy, se quedó. Se quedó conmigo y sin reproche. Y él me acompañó cuando perdí mi norte. Y a pesar de conocerme tal cual soy, se quedó y sigue aquí. Porque dijo que estaría conmigo hasta el final. Porque prometió la obra terminar. Él sigue aquí. Cuando en mi fe se meta el sol Cuando tropiece y piense que no hay solución Él me guiará con la paciencia de su amor Él sigue aquí Se quedó conmigo en el ocaso En la oscuridad que me desvió los pasos Y a pesar de conocerme tal cual soy Se quedó Se quedó conmigo y fue paciente Well, I hope you understand why it's important for us to go on helping those children and the nurse who are looking after them. In the Bible, in a book called Philippians, in chapter 2 and in verse 4, we're told that instead of just looking after ourselves, we should look out for what is best for others. And that's what we're trying to do in helping Casa Hogar, Elamor de Dios. And that's why we pray for the children, for Gloria and Jose, and for Nurse Evelyn, and why we sent money. And I think what we all should be doing is asking God to help make the children who are very sick better, and help us all to do what we can to keep on sending some money to them. And I ask you to go on doing that and not to forget them. And now Jackson's going to pray for us. Is this on? <laughs> We're gonna pray now. Dear God, thank you for loving us and caring for us. Thank you for our families and our church. Dear God, we ask you to look after your children in your children's home in Peru. Dear God, Please bless the children who are sick and help them to get better. Thank you for all the people who look after your children. We ask and we ask you to keep them strong and well. God, help us to find ways that we can help the children and show our love to them too. Thank you again for your love for us all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
I want to give um, a small souvenir of Peru to all the boys and girls and members of the Bible class who are here this morning. They're in a wee bag behind the curtain. So if you would give everybody one of those, you just give them to them. Don't let them choose. Bible class as well. And be sure to take one for yourself. And you can choose if you really want. Now, I don't know, is there any other boy or girl in church who hasn't got one? Way over here? Okay, well, um, you take one over, right down to the back near that side. I should say, while this is going on, we have one for every member of the congregation as well. But do not get yours until you're leaving at the end of the service. Well, now, um, I think I should thank the boys and girls for listening so well. Because what I'm talking about is quite complicated, and, um, and yet it's very, very important. And what I'm going to ask everybody who gets a finger puppet today to do and that is every time you see it, think about the children in Casa Hogar, El Amor de Dios, and say a prayer for them. And if you go on doing that, that will mean more to them than even the money that we can send out to them. Now we're gonna finish by singing, Who You Say I Am. I think some of you will know the words and know the tune, but if you don't, you'll soon pick up the tune. I'm going to be a bit maybe provocative and say I want you to sing out and I want you to praise God enthusiastically I'm gonna Jackson's gonna stand beside me he doesn't know about this but anyway <laughs> um, he's gonna look we don't want to see any long faces we don't see, want to see anybody not singing so we're going to um, keep an eye on all of you and remember we're praising God He's done so much for us, and we should sing and praise him. Let's join together in praise. Who am I that the highest king would
the boys and girls uh, go out to Bible class and to Sunday club uh, now. might leave out hymn number three. Is that all right, Billy? <laughs> Sorry if you've been practicing it. It's, it's one... That was a tune, I know. Um, we'll do it towards the end, if we've got a bit of time. It's called Paid It All, but um, Jesus Paid It All. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that song, but we're going we're gonna to look at Philippians 3. Uh, now, Philippians 3, verses 10 to 14... Um, verses 10 to 14. Paul writes, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we just want by your spirit, Lord, this morning to put upon our hearts the desire that Paul has in his heart to know you more. Lord, may some of his passion and his hunger, God, uh, kindle in our hearts and arise in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So, okay. Most people uh, will be familiar uh, with the film Chariots of Fire. And it's about a Christian man called Eric Little who was an athlete and he was competing in the Olympics in Paris in 1924, running the 400 metres. And as the runners coming to the first turn, they're all bunched together, shoulder to shoulder, and he feels the pressure. And Eric Little is pushed to the ground. And off the track, he, 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 he just probably is quite devastated in his heart, but he manages to get back up again. And 20 meters behind everyone else, with his knees high and his head held back, he begins to make headway, and he's passing one after another after another until he pushes himself across the finish line to win. You know, one of Paul's favorite metaphors that he uses to describe the Christian journey is that of a runner running a race with pace and determination until the line is crossed. And that'll become more evident as, as we move uh, through this passage. But verse 10, verse 10, we find I want, Paul writes, I want to know Christ. Yes, I, to know the power of the resurrection and fellowship of his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. You know, last week we saw how Christ, as the third party uh, in the courtroom, he pays the price for your sin and mine in full. He hangs upon the cross. Every sin of ours is laid upon him. And in return, the great exchange is that when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, Christ's righteousness and Christ's purity is put upon us. And so when God looks at the repentant sinner who's come to faith in Christ, when God looks at that person, he doesn't see our own sin. He sees Christ's righteousness and Christ's purity. Uh, but now we move on. And Paul has, has found a precious relationship with Jesus Christ. And he wants to move on from that. You know, I'm sure you've heard the saying, that familiar phrase, you don't know how it feels. 
You know, someone might say to you, you don't know how it feels to lose a child. You don't know how it feels to be told you haven't long to live. You don't know how it feels um, to, to have a partner, a husband, a wife walk out on you. You don't know how it feels. And unless you've been there, you don't know how it feels. And Paul here is feeling the same. He says, I want to know Christ. But how can I truly know him unless I've suffered as he has suffered? The Greek word uh, for fellowship here is koinonia. And I've, I've used this term before with you, the Greek word koinonia. And usually refers to our relationship, our intimate relationship with God, because Paul hijacked it from the secular world where it meant that relationship between two Siamese twins. And Paul would use it with regards to our relationship with God being that close, our relationship with one another being that close. But here he's talking about our relationship with suffering being that close. And what Paul is saying is that if I am to know Jesus Christ more and more, how am I going to know him unless I have experienced something of what he has experienced, unless I've suffered a bit, unless I've known a little bit of the agony of Gethsemane, a little bit of the agony of the cross, a taste of the humiliation, a taste of the pain. And he says, I want to feel, he's saying, I want to feel as Christ felt. I want to see people as Christ sees them. I want my heart to beat in time with his heart. I don't know an awful lot about roses. <laughs> My mum and dad used to have a lot of roses in our garden, and I didn't like them at all because as a, I used to play a lot of football, and as far as I was concerned, it punctured too many balls. The thorns on the roses, as far as I was concerned, didn't like that at all. But uh, the, the older I get, um, the more I start to like roses. Um, I still don't know an awful lot about them, but I know that you do. Uh, I think it's winter, late winter, early spring, you have to prune them back, and you prune them back till they're almost colorless. Um, Jesus in John 15, he speaks of his father being a gardener, being the gardener who prunes back the vine in order to produce more fruit, to get more fruit. And likewise with you and with me, God, as the gardener, has to break off things in our lives which are unfruitful and prune back the things that are fruitful. And when you do that with a rose bush, in the springtime, the buds begin to open in an array of beautiful color, beautiful smells, beautiful fragrance. And through suffering, and ouch, suffering hurts. It really hurts. But what God often tries to do is take away the things in our lives which don't reflect him and try and enhance the things that do. And he does that by pruning and sometimes through suffering. You know, our suffering can be used in the creator's hands to, to reveal his son in us to other people. Paul writes, I want to know Christ. Don't forget he's sitting in a prison cell. And he said, I want to know Jesus Christ. And if this is how I do it, then so be it. If I spend the rest of my days in a prison cell and get executed after months, this is how I want to do it. How can I truly know him unless I've suffered as he has suffered? But let me go back just to encourage you uh, before that phrase. What is there? He says, before that, he says, he leads up, I want to know Christ. Yes, he says, to know the power of his resurrection. You know, Paul deliberately puts that in before he mentions the suffering. He deliberately points out that there's a power to bring us through any tsunami that may hit our lives. The power of the resurrection, the power that raised Christ from the dead. And that's some power. That is some power. And Paul is saying that power is our resource 
that when we face the trial, that when we face the suffering, that when we face a tsunami and we don't know what way to turn, we have that power as our resource to bring us through. You know, beginning with our very salvation, our salvation in the New Testament is sometimes referred to as resurrection. Paul speaks to us in Ephesians 2 as he says, we're being dead in trespasses. You were dead in trespasses, he says. Dead in trespasses and sins. And the God who created the world, the God who said, said let there be light, he says in in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6, that the same God who said, let there be light, shone in your heart when you were dead in sin, shone in your heart to show you that you needed Christ. And a result, hopefully, we've turned in faith to him. we put our trust in him. And in effect, in effect, we've been crucified with Christ. In other words, that's what our sins deserved went upon Christ. And we have been buried with Christ. In other words, all our sins, past, present, and future, they've been paid in full. They're dealt with. They're gone. And then we're raised with Christ into newness of life. So Paul refers to that sort of resurrection in Scripture. But going further than that, you know, Paul has experienced life-giving power on the Damascus Road, but there's more. You know, where Judas suffers, says Paul, and he sees that as a grace of God, something that is a favor from God, that we might know and feel more what Christ felt. But we're assured that we have this power, which raised Christ from the dead. We have it for every trial, for every wave that hits us. Therefore, Paul asks in Romans 8, what can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ? Absolutely nothing. When my sister uh, was a little girl, she was so fascinated with the, the color changes in the sky, you know, from a beautiful blue to a depressing gray, from a sunset of pinks and reds and orange to a black, dark sky with little diamond-like stars in the sky. And she was so fascinated with these changes in the sky, she asked my mum and dad one day, in all innocence, you know, when the sky changes color, is that God changing his pullover? <laughs> and in all of our lives, the sky changes color. There are times that it, that where our lives are dim and gray, times when life is full of color and so exciting you can't wait to get up the next morning, times when it's too dark to see. But although the pullovers may change, the one who wears the pullovers always remains the same. You know, I read Psalm 46 at the beginning. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And even though an earthquake hits your life or waters come rushing in the door, he's not going anywhere. God is not going anywhere. He is there for you. He will never leave you or forsake you. So Paul says, I want to know Jesus Christ. Yes, I want to know the power of his resurrection to help me through those sufferings. I want to know the fellowships of his sufferings. I want to know what it feels like in Jesus' body to suffer, becoming like him in his death. You know, it's like each bout of suffering in your life is a little personal cross. And as Christ's power and strength comes to you, it brings us into a mini-resurrection. And then there's another little cross, and as Christ brings you through, there's another mini-resurrection. And it's like our journey down here as we struggle, as we go through pain, but there is much enjoyment as well, but... It starts like when there's, a, when there's a trial, it's a cross. But Christ brings us through. There's a mini-resurrection. Paul says, we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. More than conquerors. 
In verse 11, he says, And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. You know, by reading that phrase, you could very easily misinterpret that. You might think, oh, Paul actually is doubting that he's ever going to be raised. Um, But allow me to clear that up. He's not doubting that he's ever going to be raised. Um, But there was a false teaching going around at that time uh, about the resurrection. Some were saying, you come to faith in Christ, and when you find Christ, that's it. You know, you live your life here, but there isn't any ultimate resurrection. That is your resurrection. Uh, But Paul shows that that theory up by distinguishing between the two. Paul is saying there's this resurrection of the new life whenever you find Christ, and he takes you from your sinful position and gives you newness of life from death to life, and that's spiritual. But Paul talks then about this ultimate resurrection that is going to come. And he doesn't doubt his resurrection. He's saying, it's not yet. It's not come yet. But don't forget, he's sitting in a prison, and he's chained to a a guard. He doesn't know when, if he's going to be taken out this afternoon and executed. He doesn't know if it'll be this next week, next month. He doesn't know if he'll be released. He doesn't know how he's going to die. He doesn't know when he's going to die. He wants the, 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 his death to come soon because he wants the resurrection. But he has to follow in the will of God. So he's not doubting his resurrection. Do you remember back in Philippians 1.21, he writes, For me to live is Christ. The die is gain because I'm going to be with him. I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. And upon this earth was his resurrection power in one hand and the sufferings in another hand. One day I will die and I'll enjoy the fullness of Christ's presence. He's looking forward to that. When he'll wipe away every tear from his eye, when every bruise will be healed, with every sickness gone, There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And Paul writes, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I think I mentioned before that in Paul's time, there was another false teaching going around that once you come to faith in Christ, you're perfect. You're perfect. Um, Paul was coming against that as well by saying, listen, I haven't arrived yet. There's still a lot of, God, a lot of work for God, God has to do in me, pruning me back, molding me. We're not perfect until we go to be with him. There's an incompleteness in my spiritual journey. But he writes, I press on. I press on. You know, he's setting down an example for us to closely follow. And I hope you get this. Paul knows Christ. He knows him. Of course he knows him. But what Paul wants, he hungers for him more. He hungers to know him more. The more I get to know him, the more I realize how little of him I know and how much more I need to know and want to know. It's a bit like having a meal. I had my breakfast this morning, but by one o'clock I'll be ready for something else. And by six o'clock I'll be ready for something else. And Paul is saying, I want more of Christ. I want to know him. I want a hunger for him. I want to suffer for him. I want to know how he feels. I want my heart to be in line with his heart. When his heart beats, I want my heart to beat. When his heart's in pain and burdened, I want to have that same burden. Whenever his heart rejoices, I want to rejoice. I want to know Christ. I want to be in tune with him. You know, as the psalmist writes in Psalm 42, verse 1, As the deer pants for the water brook, so pants my soul for you, O God. God calls us to have a hunger for him. Not just to think, well, I've given my life to Christ. That's me into heaven. That's that box ticked. Now I can get on with my life. God wants us to hunger after him. And he says in Jeremiah 29, If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. And the wee phrase there is so important, all your heart. 
not a slice, not half, but all. I press on, writes Paul, to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. You know, the, the, the language, the use of language here, it's warlike. It's warlike. It's, it's aggressive. The Greek word that Paul actually uses here is, is seize. I'm seizing what Christ has done for me. I'm going to seize it. I'm going to do all I can to take and capture what Christ has given to me, what he's offered me. And he refers to Christ having already seized him. He took hold of me. And it's quite, it's that aggressiveness that when he was on the Damascus road, he's basically saying, I was on the road to persecute Christians. I was on the road to a lost eternity. And Christ seized me by the scruff of the neck, brought me to Ananias, and threw me out into the mission field with his presence, and that's what I've been doing ever since. He seized me. He took me. And he says, I want to seize what he has given to me. I want to know everything I can of Christ. Not just in my head, but in my heart and in my experience. You know, Kent Hughes, uh, who's a, a theologian, he wrote, The gospel allows no room for a bland middle-class ethic that strives to be neither hot nor cold. Paul is hungry for Jesus Christ, and such a hunger has its roots in the love Paul has for his Savior. He can't have that hunger. You know, I love chicken curries. (laughs) You know, that is a poor example. That's a very poor example. But I'm not going to eat a chicken curry if I don't love it, if I don't like it. And Paul is saying, I love Jesus Christ. That is my motivation. That's my motivation for getting up in the morning. That's my motivation for spending time with him in the morning. That's my motivation for trying to lead these guys that I'm hooked to in the prison cell to Christ. That's my heart. And I ask myself the same question. I ask you as well, how is your love for Jesus Christ? Has it developed over years or has it diminished? Has it developed or has it diminished? You know, so often busyness just can come in and suddenly our hearts, we can be going through the motions of everything and be well involved in our church and doing so many activities, but our heart has somehow grown cold. Jesus wrote to Ephesus, the letter to Ephesus that wrote through John in Revelation. Jesus says, I have this against you. I know your work, he says. I know you've been tremendous, but I have this against you, that you've left your first love. If you feel that is you this morning, and often it's been me, I have to come back to Christ, but there is, there is hope. If you feel that this morning, oh, I'm, my heart's cold compared to what it was. There's tremendous hope because loss doesn't have to mean gone forever. It can mean and often does mean temporarily misplaced. I've lost my car keys. They haven't disappeared I just, they're temporarily misplaced. I remember back in Strabane, we have a big Asda in Strabane. I think it's the biggest in Northern Ireland. And uh, I remember meeting a friend there in Asda. And uh, I met him. I hadn't seen him for about a year and a half. Um, we're sort of doing the pleasantry. He says, good to see you. I haven't seen you for, I don't know, when did we last meet? I have, don't know. I says, oh, I haven't seen you for a long time. And uh, how are you? No, and we're chatting. And I said, I lost my wife. And he says, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. I never heard that. I'm really sorry. He says, she's not dead. I said, I just lost her in the store. She's not dead. She's temporarily misplaced. And 
sometimes we temporarily misplace our love for Jesus Christ and other things come in to cloud our way and to stop our relationship with him. And it's just been misplaced. But if you go on and read that little letter to Ephesus in Revelation, Jesus says, what you need to do is go back to the basic days when you did love me the most, when you spent time with me. It's a bit like a loving relationship. You lost your love in a marriage. You try and go back to those original days, bring out the roses, the milk tray, start back to where you first went where you first fell in love. And Jesus is saying, get back to the basics. If you've lost that first love, get back to the basics of meeting with me, spend time with me. Let me show you how much I love you and you connect with me. And that little fire that once was in your heart will start to glow into embers again, will start to just develop and light again. So finally, and finally, just last thing, verse 13 to 14, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And we're back to the image of the foot race. As he runs this final stretch, he shifts into the high gear of forgetfulness. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind. Paul has so many successes behind him, but he's also so many failures behind him, and he chooses to bury them and leave them buried in the past. He wants nothing to distract him from the path and the race that he's now on. And he looks straight ahead, knowing that to look back may cost him the race. And he says, I'm straining forward toward what is ahead. And he sees the finish line ahead. His adrenaline is pumping through his body. He's straining every nerve and every sinew and every muscle. And again, this phrase, I press on. The Greek word for press is a hunting term. I'm pressing on. I'm in pursuit. I'm going to capture what Jesus Christ has died for me to give me. I'm going to capture it. What's the prize? Jesus is. Jesus is. That's down to the very grassroots. It's not a lot of um, theology, which is important, but he's saying it's the person of Jesus Christ is my prize. I know him, and I want to know him more. It's that relationship which is the prize, the goal. That's for what I'm running for. And by his example, he's saying to the church at Philippi and saying to the people in Ballycrock and Presbyterian Church, run with me. Run with me. Share the same passion. Share the same hunger that I have for Christ. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you um, for Jesus. And, uh, and Lord, sometimes, you know, it's a bit like food, Lord. We take it for granted until we don't have it. And Lord, people, for example, in Peru or Rwanda or places, Lord, that are underdeveloped, Father, we find that they have such a passion and a hunger for you because it's something that they just have developed over the years where they've had nothing else and they've had to trust more. And there's that relationship which goes deeper. Whereas we start, Lord, to be uh, taken for granted everything that you've blessed us with. And we start to take for granted our relationship with Jesus. He'll always be there to turn to. But Lord, I pray. I pray, Lord, that you might put a hunger and an appetite in our hearts more than we've ever known. That we might seek Jesus. Seek to know him. And seek to share him with others. 
in the locality, but also in Peru, Rwanda, or wherever you send someone from this place. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. So we're going to finish with great is thy faithfulness. God's faithfulness. No matter if the, if the pullovers change, if the pullovers change, the one who wears the pullovers never changes. The God, our God of the skies never changes. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen.